0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. This month, we did something a little bit different, and you'll be seeing three mini-sodes in your podcast feed. All three episodes are conversations with people who have different perspectives on choices around going to graduate school or professional school, whether that's getting a master's, getting a law degree, or getting a PhD. Hopefully you really enjoy these conversations and you find them helpful as we're entering a season where people start making decisions about graduate school and other professional opportunities in that vein.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Natasia Vélez. I am a 2L, a second year at Harvard Law School. I am a proud Latina, a New Yorker, to be more specific, which means I'm a Puerto Rican by way of New York. I'm also a first-gen college grad, and I'm really happy to be with you all today.
0: So I think the first place we wanted to start was just talking about like what influenced your decision making around going to law school. I know you and I spoke a little bit informally about this, but if you can kind of paint that picture and kind of set up the context around that.
1: There are a lot of things that went into my decision to go to law school. I was always a bit of a policy nerd. I absolutely loved foreign policy. And I saw growing up how the people in power didn't really look like me. There are very few women and very few women of color. And so for me, I kind of didn't know what that path was supposed to look like. Actually, like I started at community college and then I went to state school. And so I was very lucky to have a few mentors who said, hey, you know, if you wanna do this foreign policy thing, these are kind of the options before you. And one of the things was that kind of stereotypically, I always loved arguing. I always loved looking at problem solving from different sides and different perspectives. Um, And then as I got older and I wanted to do foreign policy more specifically, I found that a lot of the different opportunities that were available to some of my peers, or at least that I heard about through either, you know, social media or just kind of generally like message boards, Reddit, that kind of thing, they just weren't accepting people like me. You really needed like an Ivy League undergrad degree. You really needed to have the connections and the foot in the door. And so for me, I wanted to have the security that a law school JD gave me. And so I, you know, ended up applying and I knew that law school would give me the skills to look at problem solving in different ways and be able to understand the policy aspect that actually went into foreign policy and how those laws and regulations are crafted.
0: Great. Right. Can you talk a little bit, it's kind of a natural segue, um, about what you want to do with your degree? Like, kind of what do you envision as your career path from here?
1: Yeah, so I'll be completely honest. I think that that is a little bit up in the air for me. I do want to do, like, national security type of foreign policy here in the United States. I am... Pursuing like a clerkship, which is kind of very specific to law school, which is where you get to be with a judge and giving kind of like support to the judge. That's kind of my goal right out of law school. Then right now, it's likely that I'll either go to a firm that does international work or kind of more like government regulation and hopefully does that kind of foreign policy through that element. And then eventually I'd like to go into government work.
0: I mean, the things that you're describing right now kind of seem like things that there are a lot of different paths into, obviously not clerkships, but kind of more broadly making international trade policy or doing international law. Um, what other choices might you have considered or, or did you consider before kind of settling on law school as the, as the way to get credentialed into those fields? So
1: I will say that I think my choices were a little limited. I was somewhat advised against like an MPP uh, mostly because there is some lack of a tangible job security afterward. And so, for me, being first gen, I knew that finances were very important. I wanted to remain financially secure. That's part of why I went to community college and then a state school so that I could do everything on scholarships and work my way through school. And so for me, there was a little bit too much risk in doing an MPP because I saw, you know, a few alums of my undergrad and, They were like, look, we're looking for a job and still looking for a job. And it's very difficult. And I also found that that wasn't really allowing me to do the international component that I really wanted. I did consider a PhD and I think I didn't make a conscious decision not to do a PhD. I actually went to law school with the sense that, oh, well, if I decide to do it later on, like I can always do a dual degree program, do a JD, PhD. Um, I ended up not pursuing the PhD, mostly because I could always pursue it later on. Um, But I really, like I said, wanted the job security that came with a law degree. And honestly, I just like nerd out about the legal aspect of foreign policy. And so it very much felt like a space that I could launch my career from.
0: We've talked a little bit about you being sort of first gen, um, and obviously there are a lot of barriers that face um, women in general and ethnic minority women. Can you talk a little bit about sort of additional barriers you faced or sort of those compounding and intersecting barriers a little bit?
1: I think one thing is that in foreign policy or national security more specifically, since that's where I have most experience, it's very difficult as a Latina, as a woman of color, as someone who's first gen, to one, get your foot in the door. I know that part of why I went to Harvard Law, sure, is their excellent national security program and their excellent international law program, but also because it would provide me some legitimacy. I saw that when I was speaking about foreign policy, even if it was just the same comment or, you know, me pre a uh, Bit more analysis than my white male peers. It wasn't given the same deference. It wasn't given the same care. I think another aspect too is like you get pigeonholed. And what I mean by that is for me as a Latina, people are like, oh, so you just are all about immigration. You only care about letting people into the country. And you only care about women's issues because you're a woman. And you only care about this. And so even within this kind of broad area, people made assumptions about what my capacity was as a human being, what my qualifications are, and then what I was actually interested in. Thus far, my background has been um, in law of armed conflict, so it has, you know, it has intersectional capacity with immigration and and women's issues, but really it's, it's somewhat detached, and I think it's a little bit different than what people would expect. I think also, too, you have the knowledge that mentorship is going to come in unlikely places there are very few I actually like don't know any personally other Latinas that are in this field and so it's one of those things where you in a good way become a lot more open to mentorship of people that don't look like you it's nice in a sense to get these different perspectives but there is a lot of feeling like you're going at it alone uh, because there are a lot of things that are intersectional identities spring up that people just don't understand for example i wrote a piece on the intersection of race and national security and one of my mentors was like are you sure you want to do that because you know people are going to perceive you a certain way and i had to kind of fight against that and say like no this is actually." something that's very important to me. Racial justice is very important to me. And for me, I think national security and foreign policy need to really be shaped for all people. And so it was so important to me to keep that
0: part of my identity, even in my scholarship. I think we've talked about this a little bit at this point, but were there any other factors that you want to hit on that kind of pushed you towards law school as opposed to something that maybe would have been a little bit more broadly applicable? I know you mentioned like an MPP, but were there sort of like other degrees or other things that you were looking at and then something sort of pushed you in the direction of law school?
1: No, like I said, the MPP was really the only one that my mentors in undergrad kind of like threw out there. I think part of being first gen is that I did a lot of research on my own and then relied also on my professors in school to kind of help me understand what the kind of landscape was out there. I think a master's never seemed financially feasible for me and that helped steer me even closer to law school. I think also, you know, law school is a three-year degree and so there is is more opportunity to intellectually engage with the material. And for me, you could also like do more of the international law side of it, more of the policy side of it, and then more of the domestic side amongst those three years. Whereas like MPP or other master's program, you would have to specialize. And so that was also another deterrent to me in addition to the cost.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Is there anything that you think would have been different about your experience if you National security kind of wasn't your ultimate end goal, even if it's just like a little bit different, like you were going into like international affairs more broadly or like international law. You're really working towards a career in national security. And I guess I'm wondering if there's anything specific about that field that created this context for you.
1: I don't think so. A lot of my decisions in law school have been intentional to not close off a possibility of an international career. And I think that inherently like i mentioned is the value of getting a jd is that you can do both kind of the national security stuff but the pure international work as well i do think that it's helped color Some of my work uh, within law school, for instance, there's quite a few academic journals that you can join at Harvard, and so I'm part of like the National Security Journal rather than the International Law Journal. And so those kinds of decisions are things that I made consciously. I think, too, I knew that national security very much is a space where you had to have an understanding of the military component of foreign policy. And so I think that that helped also shape my career trajectory in the sense of like this past summer. So during the JD program, you do summers at different places. And this past summer I worked at West Point to really understand the operational military aspect a little bit better. But even at West Point, I focused on law of armed conflict, international humanitarian law, so it still had an international focus, but I was able to get that military understanding.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So last question, um, and this one's pretty broad. There are a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are like two years behind you or you know, maybe even less. And I was wondering if there's any advice that you would give to someone who is kind of in a similar place as you are now or kind of where you were when you were thinking about applying to law school or an MPP.
1: I would say, especially for someone who's debating between MPP and law school, or even PhD, to really look at what you want from life, look at what you want from your learning experience, and also look at the very practical aspects of, like, how much each costs and what the cost of living is in each place that you might actually do those degrees. And then pursue whatever you're going to pursue fiercely take chances. It's really weird and awkward to just cold email someone, but it actually can be very beneficial because people like me who are on this side of it oftentimes are very willing to just give advice, for instance, about the law school admissions process. And especially if you're, you know, a woman of color or you are first gen, point you to resources that help you kind of understand the process a little bit more. And what I mean by that is so law school admissions, it's not just a test. It's also like a personal statement and a diversity statement and your transcript and all of that. And so sometimes you just you don't have the experience to understand like, hey, what is my application supposed to look like? That was something I had to frankly figure out a bit on my own. I, you know, went on Reddit and I Googled this quite a bit. And so I'm so happy that now there are a lot of places that actually help students throughout that process and those actually that are working currently and thinking about a graduate degree because there are a lot of things that allow you to have success and allow you to craft your narrative and allow you to move forward that you really only know when you're on the other side of it. So yeah, I would definitely suggest fiercely pursuing whatever you do eventually choose don't be shy in reaching out to people as awkward as it is. Uh, and you can do that through having like a friend that holds you accountable. If you say, I'm going to email X, Y, Z person at like these three schools, by this date and you tell that to your friend. And then you have that friend that you trust that says, did you email them or did you kind of check it out? Uh, that can really be helpful. And also reach out to, you know, there are some amazing women's organizations and they can often give you kind of insight. Like I said, people who are on the other side of it, like, like myself are more than happy to uh, kind of give you guidance on how to navigate this process.
0: Perfect. So those are all the questions that I have. Was there anything else that you wanted to throw in there? Something we didn't get a chance to talk about anything like that?
1: I would say that one of the things that's very important to being in the foreign policy space is to really intentionally find communities that you feel are supportive. Communities that are based on identity, whether they be gender identity or racial identity, or they can be spaces that are, you know, context specific that have to do with the specific type of foreign policy you want to enter. Those communities matter. Some of the most beneficial places that I found are you know some of the women's organizations so like that girl squad and within harvard law we have like the women's law association and we have la alianza which is the latinx association And so those kinds of spaces you could really be yourself those spaces are invaluable to your career trajectory because when you address how do you do these certain things to get where you want you're also addressing yourself as a whole person whether it be through self-care whether it be through, you know, support, we're going, you know, through the midst of a global health pandemic. And that has a lot to do uh, with how you plan different things. So make sure that you find those spaces where you can be yourself, you can be authentic, and you can get the support that you need both professionally and personally.
0: I hope you enjoyed this interview. Remember that there are two others that you should definitely check out in our podcast feed. As always, it was a real pleasure speaking to these women, and we really appreciate the time that they gave us and the incredibly useful perspectives they provided. Thank you for joining us this month and every month. We hope that this is a useful place for you to find information about the decisions you're making in your own career. And we really value anything you guys have to say. So please tweet at us, email us, leave us messages on Instagram, the social media team, makes sure all that information gets to us. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review this podcast on whatever app you use that helps other people find us. And it raises us up in the rankings, which is one of the most helpful things you can do to help our podcast be found by other listeners. You can follow the organization's Twitter at women in foreign policy. And if the work we're doing means a lot to you, please consider supporting us via PayPal at LucyGoulet, or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer team, so that means your support goes even further. We love the work we do, and we absolutely couldn't do it without listeners like you. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye!